0: Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from down under. Well this one was worth staying up for, a Thursday night game at the Cottage and a huge result for Marco Silva and the Fulham team against a now managerless Aston Villa. Harrison Reid's goals are just like London buses nowadays and he found himself on the score sheet again with a thunderbolt from outside the area before some refereeing decisions finally went our way, first with the red card for Louise and secondly with the penalty decision. Mitro somehow managed to squeeze in his 8th goal in just 10 games, somehow got it through the keeper, and not long after, a jinking run from Niskins forced an own goal to give the Whites a well-deserved 3-0 win. Here to discuss the Villa game with me as always, we have Elton. How are we, Dad?
1: I'm very, very well. Happy to, very happy to be here for Friday afternoon.
0: And Sammy, how are we going?
2: I have so many emotions, but most of them are good, so I'm happy.
0: That's what we like to hear. So, obviously, guys, a great way to wake up in the morning. I think we all sort of saw little bits and pieces at different times. Dad, you got a spoiler from someone?
1: What a dick move that was. It, it, like, all through the day, he's been telling me how funny it was to text the Fulham score to me. And I shut down all of my possible comms, yeah. avoided it, avoided it, and, yeah, anyway.
0: It's a bit of a ritual before going to bed on a on a weeknight game. Uh, mute the Fulhamish WhatsApp group, mute the WA Fulham group, mute the Premier League app, mute the Fulham app, turn off phones basically, and then you get the game spoiled for you rough.
1: And uh, Sammy, by... I think you God. Hmm? Sorry, by by someone who doesn't even follow football. Yeah, true. <laughs> and Sammy, you caught
0: the last bit of the game when you woke up in the morning?
2: Yeah, I was slightly delirious and was brushing my teeth. Then I was like, oh, yeah, and then just put it on. And I was like, whoa, yeah. And that was my exact reaction.
0: So, look, let's let's talk about the lineup, guys. Uh, only one change, which is kind of a nice thing to look at when you see the lineup and see just one change, because I think we're used to at the moment seeing multiple. Uh, so the, the one change made was uh, Dan James onto the bench and William in for a start. Sammy, your thoughts on that move, being such a big Dan James fan?
2: I loved William in this game. He was excellent. I thought he was great. I really, really liked the combination of Robinson and William, because obviously William's a little bit on the older side now. And I was really appreciating how essentially. Robinson was doing the physical heavy lifting and like just doing basically all the athleticism and just leaving William to just do really, really skilled precise shots and crosses and passes and i oh chef's kiss I loved him loved him
0: dad your your thoughts on on the change the d- decision on the lineup?
1: Yeah look, we've been calling it for a while to be honest um uh, calling for William to be given an opportunity to show some more and i i you know i i loved what he did tonight he was outstanding or last night absolutely outstanding i thought he was brilliant um concerned i continue to be concerned about kenny tete being out um, yeah i was just
0: about to raise the same thing just saying that you know there was only the one change, but one thing that was sort of noticeable was the fact that Kenny Tete was still not in the side, and I did see some comments from Marco Silva saying that he's, you know, not quite right yet, and I think this was probably one of those opportunities where you, you probably could rest him, knowing, I mean, hindsight's obviously much clearer, but knowing that Villa are not quite the team that we were sort of expecting, or the quite the team they were at the start of the season or, or last season. We we probably went into the game or or Silver probably went into the game thinking we could possibly just rest Tete. I think Bobby Decodova Reed's done a good enough job. And you can actually just give him an extra week or two. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing him rested for the, the next couple of games as well. So that he's back for those Man City, Man United games in a few weeks' time. Because I think that's where we that's where we need him more. Than games against Villa, Leeds, and
1: Everton, for example. Mm. Well, the totally funny thing right. is that Bobby Decker is actually growing into it, isn't he? And not not that we're going to make him our right back, but he's actually he's actually improved every week. You know, um, in, in playing that position, maybe he made a couple of ga- you know howlers early on from a purist uh, right back position. But I, you know, I continue to commend him.
2: Hey, while we're playing struggling teams BDR can stay there for like as long as he needs to and he's it's a wonderful servant I will say it every week he's a wonderful servant of the club I don't want him there against City and United.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's sort of what we're saying like for the next few weeks when when we can play him at right back we probably should play him at right back if if it's giving Tete more of a chance to be fully fit uh for me I think it's a it's the right decision. Um so look uh, not too many changes, and I, I think the changes that were made were the ones we were sort of expecting. Um, and it came came good straight away, because Willian was a nightmare early on. Mm. Um, he had a couple of really good chances, one where he drove low at the keeper and keeper made a good save down by his foot. I'd say if Willian had, had another four or five games under his belt this, this season or another 100 or 200 minutes under his belt, I would back him to put that away. I think he he hit it pretty much straight at the keeper and should have done better, but still getting into good positions. And uh, he had another shot where he cut inside from the left and smashed one with his right foot, and the keeper made a good save there as well. Um, Sam, you've you've already sort of spoken about how how you enjoyed watching Willian play, Dad. What were your thoughts on William's actual performance in the game?
1: I, I think I I saw a very very confident Willian. Um, we, we, I think his first outing showed he's still got the skill. Um, he's not a young man, but he he looked like when he got the ball, he was running and his eyes were big, you know, and I loved seeing that. And early on, he was really getting into tricky, tricky areas and he, and he was connecting well, but he wasn't really, there was, I wouldn't say his finishes were of a great quality, but He was connecting well. And if we've gone from being a clever, tricky, skillful player to this week being really, really competitive and uh, difficult to defend against, if next week or the week after we start getting high, high high-quality shots on goal, hes I wouldn't say he's a revelation, but I think a lot of people were thinking, why are we doing this? And I think... It's a genius signing, actually. Absolutely genius signing.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, he, he's he been in the Premier League for a lot of years. He's had a very um, troubled time going back to, like, Brazil. And he, 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 the quality of him is genuinely undeniable, even if he's not necessarily lacking in confidence. Sorry, even if he's lacking in confidence, you can just see by the way that he plays, even when he's not at his best, he has a precision about the way that he does things. And his his just intellect for like playing, it's so invaluable. And it just really, really elevates the rest of the team. Like I he, he's been a real joy to actually have on the team recently. And I feel that like again, I I I love I love Dan James, but in a very specific sort of way. Like William's top shelf. He's ageing top shelf, but he'll, he'll always be top shelf.
1: Ageing top shelf. I like that.
0: Well, ageing top shelf is what you do with a good wine. Um, I, I think this was definitely his his best game for Fulham so far. Um, he's it's It's quite obvious the difference it makes when you have a little bit of time to train with the rest of the squad. You can see the link-up play with Robinson, the link-up play with Pereira as well. The movement that he had, I don't think he even needs the pace down the wing. We'd always talk about wanting quick wingers, but um, the link-up that he had with Robinson was really, really good. You saw, and and the the commentators mentioned it as well. Every time Willian gets the ball, Robinson runs past him, and Willian has the ability to put perfect passes in. There was one point where he slipped a pass in between two defenders that Robinson ran onto, and you just look at that and go, there's goals going to come from this through the season. And I think Willian's Willian's gonna score goals this season as well. I, I can I'm starting to see it. I wasn't hundred percent sure, but looking at the way he plays now, I, I feel like we're gonna see some goals from him this year.
2: Just that wide eyed confidence of Robinson as well with because Robin like I love Robinson, but he doesn't have the end result. But he's clearly an athlete. It's really undeniable that he is an athlete, and just that pairing of those two together, it just re everything clicked like last night for those two. And yeah, that left side's been a bit of like a weird place for us, and it was just a revelation. It was so, it was so great to see. I was so happy.
1: Talk. I mean, talking about you're saying, what do we think of the lineup? I to me, I didn't dare to dream it, but. I really felt like we were somehow, don't know how it happened, somehow back to our very best. Like instantly with a mm. different format uh from earlier in the season with Willian being involved, Mitro suddenly looked fit. He looked fit. He didn't he looked yeah. like he didn't look like the man carrying a foot and really holding back like or he was closer. last week. He was closer yeah, to being fully but he, fit at least. He, he but he was doing all the things That you expect Mitre to do He was very physical He was in there muscling And I thought we were instantly back to our very best Like a massive change uh, from the last two weeks
2: We seem to respond really well to pressure at the moment I feel like all the games that like It's been like pressures on We've just really stepped up And those like games that we kind of took for granted We've kind of slipped on
0: So... Look, moving forward from there, I guess, we had Willian with those couple of early chances. Uh, one chance I would want to talk about, there's a couple of chances I want to talk about, actually, before before the first goal, but the Pereira volley from the corner. Um, an interesting one, because Pereira takes our corners, and I didn't even notice it at the time, and he sort of slips off to the edge of the box, and I do, I'm not even sure who took the corner. It might have been Harrison Reed takes the corner. It's William. Was it William. It was William who took, took the corner the- out there. Um And all of a sudden, everyone runs in the box and he is standing all alone on the edge of the box and he Mm. absolutely connects with that volley. Mm. I I just really like the, well, firstly, the confidence to actually take on a chance like that. Like, realistically, you should be, most players would take a touch there and think I've got, you know, a second or two to get a shot off. The fact that he's going for a volley there and connecting really well and almost scoring with it... um, Mm. And we we've got some really good set pieces going at the moment, which I really like because we're dangerous from set pieces now. Uh, it just adds another dimension, especially when you are sort of a lower lower half of the table team. You need to have you need to be dangerous from set pieces. It means we'll start playing for set pieces more often because we know we're going to actually create chances. And from corners, we can actually make stuff happen too. Um, and then another corner routine, not long after which almost bought the opening goal. Uh, Mitro peeled off the back a beautiful run from him and he just completely loses his marker which is surprising you, you know, you've know, you got the, Fulham's top goal scorer in the box for a corner and he's completely unmarked at the back post a perfect routine, perfect ball in for Pereira puts it on top of his head he heads it past the keeper and unfortunately Tyron Mings is on the line and clears it off the line would have been a beautiful goal Sammy, what, what were your thoughts on sort of those early chances we had? I mean, it,
2: I, I this entire game, and obviously we'll speak about it later as well for very obvious reasons. This entire game, I've just grown a serious appreciation for the way Mitrovic just controls a game, and I mean that from like less of a physical point of view, but more just like his intellect and like his positioning as of late has just been really, really top class. Like I know he's always been good, but like. I feel like he's really, really stepped it up. The way that like he thinks about like drawing players in, and just really, just messing with like the other team. Like I, feel like there's very few players that actually do it better in the Premier League at the moment than him. He's really, he's really good at managing that.
1: Well, he, I mean, he caused ten men tonight, didn't he? Yeah, um, he really did. I mean, you know, yeah, we will get, school- we'll get onto that. Yeah, schoolboy era. But anyway, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think it says as good a set piece as that was with Metro peeling off, I think it says more about just how shit Aston Villa are at the moment. Uh, they are a yeah, totally nightmare. They're a nightmare.
2: Yeah, but you have we're, we're to just...
1: take advantage of that, you know, and, yeah. they, and we did. Yeah, no, for sure. you got You got to capitalise for sure. But they are a rabble for, a, you know, a bunch of pretty good individuals. Jeez. hmm
0: so let's move on to the actual opening goal after, you know, potentially Fulham could have been 3-0 up before we even scored our first goal. Um, Harrison Reed hadn't scored a goal in 100 games for Fulham. He's now got two this season. Uh, Dad first, what were your thoughts when you actually saw Harrison Reed put the ball in
1: the back of the net? Well, it's funny how he was quite nonchalant about it. Like, you know, he was like instantly up for the big celebration. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, what, what I there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to score. The pressure was relentless, you know. The number of opportunities, the number of shots on target, like quite aggressive shots on target, like very unfulham. And um, you know, it was fair, from a fairly similar position to his first goal, it wasn't silky but very effective, and he hit it hard, and it was a goal from the moment it left his his boot. But I, I, I can't be happier that the goals are being shared around. I think mm-hmm. early in the season, everyone looked at Fulham and thought, oh, yeah, okay, Mitro gets a hat full. And if we shut Mitra out of the game, that's it. And loads of people are chipping in. Not only is it really great for confidence, but it's just, it makes us multidimensional. And we, we looked we looked really, really good in that first opening 15 minutes. And I'm, I'm actually surprised we didn't score earlier.
0: Mm. Well, as you said there, and I'll, I'll let Sammy talk about it as well in a second, but as you said there, it's really good to see the goals being shared around. We now have 19 goals for the season. Mitro's got eight of them, which is brilliant for Mitro and for Fulham as well. But it's good to see that we're not fully reliant on Mitro. I think the worry was after 11 games, we might have 15 goals and Mitro would have 10 of them. And that's where... I, and we've we've seen it as well because we've had Mitro out for a couple of weeks now, and we're still managing to score goals and and survive without him. But the fact that we'll score three and Mitro doesn't get all three is it, it's good signs. So, Sammy, your thoughts on the Reid goal?
2: Well, I mean, it does go back to genuinely good signings because I feel that like the introduction of I know he had a quiet game, but like Polina, particularly at the start of the season. William and Pereira. These are guys that have just kind of created a standard at Fulham that has allowed people like Harrison Reed to kind of back themselves a lot more than they previously would have and actually just really show how it should be done. And with all that said, it's just a joy whenever Harrison Reed scores because he's just such a wonderful addition to the club like you always root for him you always root for the little ginger kid and it's just it's just great i love seeing him score like and he he. you can tell that like there's no one else really on the team that like deserves that recognition more than him in my opinion um and oh it's just wonderful it's just it's just great for morale i feel like when he scores it's just it's just a great time
0: it was good seeing them all run over and celebrate with Silva. And that that's oh, yeah. it's it's showing the culture in the club as well, the fact that when we saw Pereira score against West Ham, his first thought was straight over to Marco Silva. You see Reed score, his first thought straight over to Marco Silva. You can see that there's there's some stuff going on there. And uh, it's hard to say exactly what it is, but obviously Silva's backing them and saying, I know you can do it, I know you're going to score. Mm-hmm. And they go out there and they do score. And they're, they're actually saying that that was... You giving me that confidence to do it, so I do like seeing that. Okay. Um, so look, there wasn't a huge amount more before half time. We would, I I'd just say for the whole game, we were we were fairly dominant. We never looked like losing this one. Um, yeah. But in the second half, there are a few flash points that we should talk about. So Villa, Villa made a substitution at half time, which was kind of expected because we were just completely all over them. They they started with Bednarak in defence, and I think uh, you listened to the commentators say that that was a a decision to try and negate Mitro's uh, influence on the game. I don't think it worked. They should have played Matty Cash from the start, who's a much better player, although we'll talk about him in a second. But 60-second minute, red cards. Did you guys see it when it first happened? The camera sort of panned away just before no. the actual incident happened, but I don't know if you saw... No, I didn't. So Mitro gets tackled by Douglas Oh, Williams. no, I didn't see foul. that. It, was, it gets- was a bit of a coming together, and I think Mitro... Oh, Louise fell to the ground, and there was a tangle of legs, and they could have been not kicking as such, but they got tangled up a bit. And then there was the actual foul on Willian by Mings, which Mings got the yellow card for. And you can see Mitro obviously says something to Douglas Louise, which is what f- causes him to turn around. Mitro is actually the one who engages first with the chest to chest contact. Douglas Louise then comes in and sort of lifts his head towards Mitro's face. Uh, I mean. <clears throat> It's, it's a tough one and we've had these go either way and you do see these go either way. Dad, what were your f- initial thoughts on that being a red card or not?
1: So I, I didn't see it when it was happening live but I obviously saw the replay of the, the lead up to it and it looked, it looked like something happened. It's hard to tell. It was a very, very long shot camera angle. It was hard to tell exactly what went down but obviously Mitro felt like he was doing something wrong there. And then Mitro literally just sucks him in and kind of draws him into the contest, chests him first, as you say. I didn't think there was that much contact. And I, if you really look at, at the frame footage, Mitro goes down a little bit slowly for me. So, <laughs> yeah, surely, surely he must have hit him. Yeah, but it was very, very, quite melodramatic. Yeah. It kind of he looked must like have, it got him
0: on the nose. Potentially, might have been his chin. Yeah. Might have been. His I, chin. I think it was nose. I think it was like that underside of the nose, which can actually be quite painful if someone because he he Mitro had probably half a foot on him. He's quite a lot taller, and Douglas Louise really does edge forward and slightly upwards, and he does make contact. But Sammy, did you think on first view that it was going to be a red card? No
2: genuinely didn't i i mean like i i was briefly alluding to this before i feel like there's any player on our side that has truly learned to work with var it's Mitrovic because he's been done by a couple of times now and i feel that he's probably the only person in the side that's actually looking to use that as an advantage um Uh, It's unfortunately it's just the way that the Premier League is at the moment and I don't want to be like an apologist and I don't want to be one of those people who's like, oh yeah, of course it was a red card because Mitrovic completely baited him and Douglas Louise took the bait. Now we can have a debate about whether that's right or wrong. Um, Personally, I actually do think it's wrong but you know, at the end of the day, we've been burnt a lot so I also can't really blame him for essentially learning and evolving and creating opportunities for us because of that, um, I was about to swear, um, uh, because of that situation that they've been put in before.
1: I I don't think Mitro did anything wrong. I think, you know, Mitro from Newcastle would have just gone straight in and he would have headbutted him. Yeah, right? totally. So Mitro, Mitro goes in, he's, d- 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 you know, remonstrating and displaying his displeasure but he sucks him into it because Mitro's never going to headbutt him. So he yeah. sucks him into it. So that's, that's a very mature, aggressive Mitro. And that's part of professional football. I mean, I don't think you should fake the fact that you may or may not have been hit in the face. But he's, he's basically baited him, as Sam said. And, um, you know, the guy's lost his discipline.
0: I'm not even 100% sure that it was baiting. They make chest-to-chest contact. You watch Mitra every week. He makes chest-to-chest contact with every single player who he comes up against. It's just a bit of posturing. It's, It's actually just dumb by Louise. And it's what happens when your team is losing games regularly and on a bad run. You have little brain snaps. And we've seen it before. Fulham have done it over the years as well, where you're losing games, things aren't going your way. Someone squares up to you. You're frustrated because you're one-nil down and you can't get a touch on the ball, and so you you just—it's a brain fart. That's all it was. It's it is a red card totally. because he makes he basically headbutts Mitro. It's not it's not a full head. it's not a Zidane in the chest headbutt, but it's definitely making contact on purpose with Mitro's head or face. I think if he was uh, half a foot taller, he'd probably get away with it because. There'd be a touching of heads, of four heads together. But the fact that he's coming upwards into Mitro's nose just makes it look even worse. I don't think he can have any complaints about it. I I heard um, Gerard post-game saying I have no complaints about the red card. Moving on from the red card, though, we've got the penalty, which is another contentious one, which I want to get your opinions on. Sammy, first, what's your thoughts? Was it a penalty? Give me one word, and then we'll discuss it further. Was it a penalty, yes or no? Oh.
2: This one's—I don't. Ugh, this one's a really difficult one. This one is contentious. I can't give you a one-word answer. I know you want me to. I'm not even looking at you on the screen because I'm—I can know that you're going to tell me to wrap up, um, but I really don't know. This is like because yeah, it affects—it affects where the ball's going. So, by, I think by definition, it kind of does. But like, you can't do anything about his position. Yeah, I don't. I. Uh, that was a really hard one for me, but then again,
0: you just gotta take the penalty. I don't know. That's a very Elton esque one word answer, Sam. Dad, one word answer, yes or no?
1: Penalty, fuck off. Def definite pen, definite penalty in the current application of the rules.
2: Yeah, no, you're right, but again, I just don't uh I'd be steaming if that happened to us. That's how I'd see it.
0: It's 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 a really rough one. Uh I think I think it shouldn't be a penalty. But you're right, with the current way the rules are set, it's it should be a penalty. The, the shot, I heard Gerard say that the shot wasn't on target. Actually, looking at it from a reverse angle, you see the shot is going to be on target. Is he going to score? Probably not. But the shot's on target. Um, I mean, Mitro's foot, the distance between Mitro's foot when he makes contact with the ball and Matty Cash's hand can't be more than 30 or 40 centimetres. Mm it's it's rough in that sense that how is cash meant to get his hand out of the way is his hand at an unnatural angle i would have thought an unnatural angle there is to have your hands behind your back and trying to fling your foot across to block a shot like it, it it's rough I, i'm not going to complain that we got a penalty but if i was a villa fan i would think that was a really crappy decision
1: mm. But remember, what we're after here, having been on the receiving end of some really rough decisions, we're after consistency, right? Consistency. And so if if that's the way they want, way they want to play it, like really technical, then it's a penalty.
2: You're so vitriolic. It's so funny.
1: <laughs> no, no, I don't I just, see that I just, as vitriolic
0: uh... at all. I just wish we'd we'd been able to make it even because this one to me makes it makes it sort of even for some of the other ones. But I wish we'd made it even in a game where we weren't completely dominating. Yeah, I wish we'd had this had this decision go for us against Man City mm. and go one 0 up against Man City rather than a game where we're already going to win it. And uh, yeah, the, the 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 decision doesn't necessarily affect the flow of the game from there. They're down to ten men at this point, and we're one 0 up and dominating the game.
1: But I think momentum doesn't work like that. Momentum, actually, you need a crunching win after two really disappointing, you know, for a bunch of reasons. And then suddenly you get three goals, we keep a clean sheet, where you know, a bunch of things go our way and people start to believe again,
0: right? Mm.
1: And that actually, that is what, that's real momentum and it carries you kind of beyond what you have a right to believe in. And oh, and I, and I so so I, I'm okay with it. I know
2: you're okay with it, but you're a bad person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't. And
0: then we'll, we'll quickly talk about the actual penalty itself, which was terrible. Metro's penalty. Yeah. He put it in the exact same spot that he did last last week. Mm-hmm. Um, except this time, the keeper went the right way. I don't know how he does it. The keeper gets both hands on it, and it somehow ends up in the other corner. I think it came off his elbow, it might, possibly. But I don't. I still don't know how that ends up in the back of the net. The keeper goes a complete right way. It's at his like chest level. It's a perfect saving height. Perfect. Uh, I don't know how it went in, but somehow the ball goes in the back of the net, and we're two up. up. Uh, it was pretty much game over at that point. We have uh, Dan James and Tom Kenny come on in the seventy third minute, which is sort of seeming like it's going to be the uh, the norm I feel like and around the 70th minute we're always going to see Tom Candy come on and get his 20 minutes and we'll see Dan James come on as well and then in the 84th minute we see uh, the third goal for Fulham and Owen goal you could sort of tell it was coming we were all over them as we had been the whole game we were totally dominating possession dominating the play Neeskins jinks down the left gets into the box puts a really good ball across the face of the goal Tyrone Mings, to be fair, can't really do anything about it. I, he should have done a little better, I'd say. But he he completely looks like he's checked out. And I think uh, Stephen Gerrard sort of thought the same about Tyrone Mings a few weeks ago. So, at which he very publicly said, which is not the best thing to hear manager say. Um, Tyrone Mings, own goal, 3-0. Game pretty much over at that point. I don't know if you saw, and Sammy, you were going to mention this, but... Um, we already had Vinicius and Wilson ready to come on. And Niskins scores his goal and goes over to celebrate on the touchline. And you can see Luke Harris is over there, warming up in his in his pink gear. And you see him look down the touchline and then point at his chest and say, Me? And <laughs> run back to the subs bench. And about two minutes later, we bring Luke Harris on for his full debut. Did you spot Gosh. that? It's like the Mighty Ducks.
1: It's, it's like- <laughs> Uh, let it be also be said, you know, um, Cabano's played so well the whole season that he actually had a very, very good game last night, you know, with no o- obvious results like goals or whatever. But actually, I thought his contribution was really, really great. He caused a lot of problems and um, I'm loving him. I think a lot of people a couple of years ago thought he was not a Premier League footballer and I'm so happy for him. Because I, th- I think he's a really great, great club guy.
2: I'm yeah. happy for him. I'm not convinced that he is a Premier League footballer, but in the system that is required of the Premier League at the moment, where you do have to have impact subs, because that's just the way it is. I know we're a small club, and I know we can't really fully have the impact subs in the same way that like <clears throat> Liverpool and Man City do. But I think he's playing his role perfectly, and I think him coming off the bench, getting like... A solid twenty or thirty minutes. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's been great for us. And
1: what are you really talking about? He started it. today.
2: Did he so? started
1: and he did really well. <laughs> you can scrap that then. Or oh, you know what? You can just <laughs> let it roll. You can just
2: let it roll. I'll keep I'm happy because you tired, did. Sammy. I um, I'm so tired.
1: <laughs> no, I I'm calling nonsense on that. I think he, I think he's proving that. A bit like the Burnley defence conversation we had last week, you don't have to have superstars to have a bunch of really effective players. I, I'm loving him in the Premier League.
0: I, I think he's proving himself to be a Premier League footballer, and I think we're seeing it with we had uh, Tim Ream. Obviously, struggled last time when he was in the Prem. Mitro struggled last time when he was in the Prem. We're seeing a, a bit of a renaissance of Fulham players who. When, or before this season, for sure, we were saying are not Premier League quality players, proving that they are Premier League quality. niskins is causing a lot of problems for defences at the moment, established mm. Premier League defences, and I, I'm loving that. And it's it's good for the team looking forward as well, because we look at um, uh, you know, the other side of Christmas when Solomon and Wilson will be back and fully fit. We've got a really good rotation of, of wingers now. Where we can rest people, especially when you get these little midweek games, because it is going to be a pretty packed schedule on the other side of Christmas. We're going to have to get through 19, 19 games. No, it must be more than that. Twenty one games, or uh, yeah, twenty one games uh, in what f- four months? It's going to be it's going to be pretty packed. Um, so well, you're going to need to be able to rotate those wingers, and I'm glad that Niskins is proving that he's a, he's a decent option.
1: Well, once again, shout out to Marcus Silva. I. I, I... This is all down to Silva. You know, our previous friend, Mr. Parker, couldn't do it. He couldn't turn them into Premier League players. Silva has.
2: Parker's not my friend, but I completely agree. Even though I don't have a learned opinion because I didn't even notice Cabana was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I can I can own up to my mistakes. But no, like um, echoing your point. It's a very, very exciting prospect at the moment to see what we like what we might potentially be at the full depth, and assuming um this will be, uh, closer to the January transfer window, to then be able to beef up that um central mid area, and then actually have yeah, a sure. suitable um replacement for Polina and also Reed as well. It's very tasty. It's very tasty.
0: The other benefit, if we win our next two games against Leeds and Everton, uh, we're sitting on 21 points at that point. Let's just assume that we do get flogged by United and Man City and we, we go into the break 20, uh, 21 points from 17 games. We'll be sitting probably around that mid-table mark, uh, around, you know, somewhere between 8th and 12th. That's a much better position to be in coming into the transfer window if you're sitting in 17th, 18th, you're negotiating relegation clauses into contracts, it, it gets pretty messy. If you're sitting around mid-table, you're going, actually, if we bring you in, we're pushing for Europe. Mm. So it's a much more interesting prospect for potential players. And I think if if the money's there to do something, we could bring in some really good talent um, and, and really beef up the lineup uh, to, to sort of come into January with... Kenny Tete back, Wilson and Solomon both back as well, will be in a really good position.
1: Mm.
0: So, look, uh, yeah, obviously Luke Harris as well got on and, and had a couple of minutes. I don't think he actually touched the ball, but um, uh, the one thing he did do was was foul Tyron Mings. I think that was awesome. his first involvement in a in a Premier League game, which was Great stuff. fine by me. But, look, that rounded out a really good 3-0 win. We we looked the goods, and I'm really glad to see that we've uh, we bounced back from a couple of rough... Rough weeks where we had the draw with Bournemouth and a couple of bad losses. Um, So, what we'll do, we'll just shoot to a quick break, and when we come back from the break, we're going to discuss uh, the upcoming game on Sunday against Leeds and uh, see what we both, what we both, what we all think about that game and and how full we're going to go and how important it is for the rest of our season. Right, Sammy we're back uh, We've dropped Elton, who's had to run uh, So Sammy, let's let's quickly talk about the Leeds game As I said before, uh, it's not going to be a long Leeds preview Purely because Leeds are really shit at the moment um, So Sammy, you, you had a quick look at the Leicester game last night Obviously they lost that 2-0 So what were your thoughts, just from that quick look On how Leeds look at the moment And what we should be wary of
2: My thoughts are leads are shit. Um, No, genuinely, I actually feel quite sorry for them because I do genuinely... I've got a soft spot for Bielsa, as everybody does, and I also don't hate Jesse Marsh. But yeah, they um, have a lot of issues, particularly in defense at the moment. That area is nowhere near as beefed as it need to be. Um, We can potentially cause some problems. They do have um, one very, very quick handy player, which um, if they were in a... More prominent side, I would probably be able to tell you their name. Talking uh, Rodrigo, I off the top of my head. He Talking no, Rodrigo, no Rodrigo. Um, not Rodrigo. Um, uh, he, he looked like a handful for them. I, I can't for the life of him remember his name, though. Um, but he looked very—he looked promising, but also he had no end result, and he was just quite quick. So. Um, Honest, I mean, like when teams are struggling, you've seen them be able to pull out results that they can't really do, so I'm always going to be wary of those types of teams, and obviously we're not really in a position where we can take any game for granted, and I think Silva knows that, but I also think because of that, we, there's a very likely chance that we're probably going to storm them a bit, but I
0: could be wrong, I could be wrong. Yeah, look, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I'll just chuck a couple of stats out that we talked about beforehand. Um so last night in the game, they only had two shots on target from 14 in total. They actually still dominated possession, but somehow Leicester only had one shot on target and still managed to score two goals, mm-hmm. uh, which I love it when stats like that pop up. Um, we haven't got a great uh, great history against Leeds in the Premier League. Last time we were both up, which was uh, the, not last season, but the season before we lost 2-1 at home and lost 4-3 away. I remember both those games. They're pretty disappointing performances. But at the moment, we're getting Leeds at a really good time, personally, for Fulham. Uh, Leeds have only picked up uh, two points from the last seven games. Mm. In those seven games, they've only scored four goals. In the last four games, they've only scored one goal. Uh, and in those seven games, they've conceded 12 goals, five losses and two draws. They had a really great start to the season. They beat Wolves 2-1. They beat Chelsea 3-0. But since then, since the third game of the season, they, they've literally only yeah picked up two points. So they're, they're definitely looking like relegation candidates at the moment. And I think they're one of the favourites mm. to go down alongside uh, Southampton and uh, Forest. Sammy, I mean, like we sort of said, there's, there's not much to worry about with Leeds at the moment but is that potentially an issue for Fulham do we go into the game maybe not giving them their dues because they do have some good players and you know Rodrigo's got four goals this season Sinistera might have been the guy you're thinking about Uh, he's very pacey he's got a couple of goals as well this year Uh, Bamford hasn't scored a goal yet this year which is kind of good for for us at least um, but Brendan Aronson has been a bit of a revelation in midfield for Leeds as well. Ten games, he's got a goal and an assist. But you did mention that their defence does look a bit leaky at the moment, and I have to say their keeper—I um, can't can't remember how to pronounce his name. I think it's Meslier, or mm-hmm. I think Meslier. Uh, I remember when we played him last time round; he looked looked dodgy. Uh, yeah. I I remember thinking we need to be taking shots against this guy all the time because if we are, we're going to score goals. Yeah. And that's um, basically what Lester did. <coughs> yeah, so, Sammy, how do you see this one panning out? Uh, obviously, we don't want to get too carried away with ourselves, but what what are your thoughts for the game? How do we see it going?
2: I'm definitely not getting carried away with ourselves because I've been burned before. Um, uh, genuinely, I think if we played last like last night and just go into it, take it extremely seriously because we need to, um, which I think that we will, I think we're probably going to get quite a positive risk. Result. I, I'm never expecting a thrashing because I, uh, we've had some great results, but I, I just, uh, it it's just, it just feels wrong to assume that because things can go any which way in the Premier League. That's kind of the beauty of it. Um, one thing that I will say is, yeah, I don't really like to criticize goalkeepers too much, but the way that Leicester, Leicester was opening up their defense, God bless Leicester because they're also a team in decline as well. Um, but like the way that they were opening up their defense and causing one of the most ridiculous iron goals I've seen in quite a long time. Uh, he's, he's gotta be worrying for Leeds. And um but again, good for us. But as long as we as long as we take it seriously, as long as we take it seriously and we don't go into it in the same way that we went into Newcastle and um oh Christ, I can't remember what the other game was. West Ham. Yeah, West yeah Ham. I think yeah. I
0: think you're right. I think we have the potential here to go on a four-game unbeaten run with games against Leeds and Everton coming up, uh, and a draw. Obviously, the draw against Bournemouth and the win last night. So, I think we, we Silver will definitely not be expecting to get any points out of the two Manchester teams. So he'd be looking at this, going, "This is basically our last chance for points until late December, early January." Yeah. So we need to take these games seriously. If we miss out here, we've got a long time until we're going to be picking up points again. Mm. So it's really good that we're coming off the back of a really good win into this game. Obviously, it's quite a short turnaround. Um, so you're hoping that Mitro sort of is able to back it up after being a little bit injured over the last few weeks. Uh, it's good to see Wilson get a few more minutes in his legs as well. So, yeah, score prediction, Sammy. What are you feeling?
2: going to be... Me- I don't even, yeah, I'm going to say 2-0. I'm going
0: to say 2-0. Two 2-0. Nil. Two nil. Uh yeah. I'm going to agree with you. I'm really hoping that we get another clean sheet out of this one. I'm I'm going to say it's going to be 1-0 because I think it might be a little bit edgier than the last few games have been. Uh Yeah. A, a lot of these games recently have been very free flowing and free scoring. I yeah. think we're going to see that stop this week because I think it, this there's a bit of extra importance on this game that's that's going to mean we shut up shop a little bit more after we score that first goal. Um, No, I
2: agree. And also be wary of a wounded animal, and they're clearly wounded at the moment and need to essentially establish something. And they will, like, I don't know what their run of fixtures is like, but they will definitely be looking at us just being like, if we play right, it's attainable. Um, I think if Mitrovic plays anywhere near the way that he played yesterday, we should be all right. And also as well, if Williams fit, I sound like dad just being like, if Robinson's fit. (laughs) <laughs> then, um, but genuinely though, if those two are fit, um, they can really, really open them up. And to be honest, I could, I could even see another um, red card, um, just yeah. because they could, like, I, I could see Mitrovic really messing with them. But again, uh, I, you just, you just never know in the Premier League because yeah, like these teams can just turn around and be like, we need this more than you do. So, I think you're um, right,
0: though. Sorry. Like looking at, and it's it's the way it is through the whole Premier League at the moment. You look at the teams around you, and you go, "Am I going to be able to pick up points off this team? Are they are they going to be around me at the end of the season? And if so, mm. if they are going to be around me, then then we need to pick up points off them because that's the only way we're going to stay above them. Looking at Leeds' upcoming fixtures, uh, they've got Liverpool, Bournemouth, Spurs, and Man City before the break. Yeah. Bournemouth performing pretty well at the moment considering Um, so it's it's possible that they don't pick up any more points uh, until the World Cup and then when they come back from the World Cup they have to play Man City Newcastle and West Ham Um, it's it's quite possible that this is their last chance of points until the 14th of January when they play Villa Mm. at which point you're you know how many games will that be like 17 18 games through the season 19 games through the season even you really Mm. Oh, almost twenty games through the season. Actually, you, you'd really be worried that you're going to be stuck on uh, seven points. I do that agree point with you. The though. season.
2: Yeah, I do agree with you though that I think a goal would pretty much be all that would need to be done because I imagine they're going to come really, really hard at us for like the first twenty minutes. But I, I think so. all it would all it would take it would be like a goal from Mitrovic or Pelina um, uh, to probably just ruin their confidence, which is sad to see. I mean, it's like them and Leicester for me, I, I don't like seeing them in the position that they are because they are very, like they, they're they're warm clubs to support. And I like I like, I like like the atmosphere that they have. I mean, who isn't a Leicester fan after 15, 16, but like, yeah. I, it, I do agree with you.
0: I do agree with you in a sense, but at the same time, I'm looking at the Premier League at the start of the season and going, right, which teams are we finishing above? Mm. And at the start of the season cool. all I could see was Forest and Bournemouth, maybe yeah. Brentford, um, maybe Villa. But the fact that so many other teams have been pulled into it now in Leicester, Leeds, Everton, Wolves, Southampton, like there's 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 basically a bottom seven at the moment who are yeah. really struggling. Yeah. Um, where no one's picked up more than sort of two wins. And we're fortunate that we're actually keeping out of it. And I'm sort of glad that there are a bottom seven because I feel like now we're better than potentially seven teams. And we're looking at a mm. very solid mid-table finish where now we're saying to ourselves, right, if we can beat Bournemouth and Brentford and Crystal Palace around us, we can push ourselves higher up the table. And it's already yeah. starting to feel a bit like we're not in a position where we're we're threatened by relegation but it, it is really hard to say like it, it's it's too early to say obviously we'll be a lot clearer after the world cup i think mm. as to you know you always say who's who's bottom at christmas which is usually after about 20 odd games um and i think it's going to be who's bottom at the world cup and it's it's probably going to be forest yeah but we're starting to see i remember those first few weeks we were really confused about how the table was going to look and and where teams would end up and we're starting to see the balance come back a little bit now, although Liverpool's still a little bit low. But we we are starting to see everything settle and I'm just glad that we're settling currently in ninth, which is great to see. Oh,
2: yeah, no, it's it's I mean, it's shades of um oh seven to ten, isn't it? It's like it's shades yep. of Roy Hodgson. It's I mean it's it's an awesome it's the way it's why we started this podcast. It's an awesome time to be a Fulham fan. Um but no, I think you're one hundred percent right, and it's just I mean we we should be blessed the fact that um we are changing our mindset um away from focusing on um our contemporaries being like your Bournemouths and um your Nottingham Forests and yeah targeting games like Crystal Palace, um Brighton, like those games and those those are the games that we are faring quite well in and uh, ugh, I'm not not really sure too much more that I can say about it, but it's it's very positive. It's very positive.
0: Yeah, and I think, look, after the last sort of five or six years of being a Fulham fan as well, you just want to stay up. Mm. Uh, just like a season where we're not worrying about getting relegated and all your great players go out on loan or out on, or get transferred away from you. You're not worrying about to, having to rebuild a team after they come back up again. It'd be nice to actually you know, just, just have a season where we stay up and we can actually enjoy it and build on that and stay up and do even better the next year.
2: Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm very aware that, um, there's probably going to be more people that are listening to this podcast specifically because we've just won, but just echoing it again, it's just such a wonderful time to be a Fulham fan and we rarely get this. And, um, yeah, just yeah, just just like the team as well. It's just such a lovable team to actually support, and um, yeah, it's it's all just it's just nice. It's just nice, and it's not something you associate with being a Fulham fan. So just just relish in it, you know. It is nice. I agree.
0: Righto, Sammy. What we'll do, we'll wrap up there. It's obviously not as long as some of our other podcasts, but we're covering quite a few games in a very short period at the moment, so um thanks for your time sammy and uh i'm looking forward to catching up probably on on monday night to talk about hopefully another fulham win against leeds
2: sounds good i look forward to it
0: all right thank you everyone for listening once again please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to get updated as soon as we release a new episode get amongst it on our facebook twitter our instagram send us through questions interact with us we like talking to you guys too and um yeah the more interactions we get the more we're able to grow the podcast and give you more content as well so thanks to everyone for listening and come on you whites